Good morning. Joining me now is our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, what about that rain? Wasn't that awesome? That was nice. We got an inch and a half here at the uh, at the palatial estate, but uh, we got three. Uh, talk to fam. Yeah, talk to family in New Ulm. They got four, so Oof. their sump pump is working overtime, which uh, seems to it, it works most of the time. It seems over there, even when it's a a drought year, the hmm. sump pumps are still working. I don't know how that how that happened. I, I am in a place where I've just been watching pelicans, and I'm watching them herd fish. So they herd these fish into the shallows for really? easy eating. They herd them and like it cows? ended in a fierce feeding frenzy. And it was a great <laughs> fish drive, similar to but wetter than the cattle drive. Somebody uh, might remember Rowdy Yates participated in as a ramrod of the crew that drove bovines on the Sedalia Trail in the TV series Rawhide. Oh, my. And Rowdy <laughs> was played by, why Rowdy is famous is he was played by a young, young Clint Eastwood who worked under the trail boss, Gil Favor. And they moved cattle from San Antonio, Texas to Sedalia, Kansas while being prodded along by Frankie Lane's voice singing, Move Them Out, Head Them Up, Rawhide, which had a resurgence in popularity uh, whenever the Blues Brothers was out. It was one of their uh, songs that they played in that movie. So, so what is the what so is these, the process of how do pelicans, I, I mean, we used to have a collie that used to round up the cows. You know, we'd make a certain sound and she'd, she'd go and bring them in and stuff. But how does a pelican round up fish? They kind of head at them first. They're making speed. They're like the V plow on the front of a snow plow, and then they find fish, and they kind of encircle them a little bit, uh -huh. a half circle, and then they just push them towards the shallows where they Ooh. can't get away. So they're eating a lot of bullheads and buffalo, and I tell everybody what, somebody said, what, they eat a walleye? Well, of course they would, <laughs> but it's harder for them to catch a walleye because they can't dive. So they just chase them. And I'm sure the fish are panicking because, you know, the fish probably don't want to be eaten. So they, they get them in the shallows, and then they just go after them. I watched two um, mini flocks of pelicans, and I swear they were pushing the fish towards one another. Hmm. Yeah, one group to the other, and then they all went after them together. So just, it, it's pretty neat to watch them. They're huge birds, nine-foot wingspans, so that's... Uh, that's a sizable bird. Al, do oh, they... Oh, Karen, I heard from Dave. Oh, before you go, Al, do they store the fish in their big pelicans, their big beak or whatever you call those things? Because they've got that big thing underneath. You'd think like they could open their mouth and then a whole bunch would just sit in there and they could, you know, gulp them back whenever they want. Or isn't that to hold fish? It's not. Oh. They, <laughs> they will... They're... Their bill will hold two and a half gallons of water. So oh. they just grab something, whether it's fish, a salamander, a crayfish, a mouthful of tadpoles, whatever they get. Okay. And then they kind of tip the bill, pour out some water, and then swallow. Aha. Uh -huh. And they, they can eat probably three pounds of fish a day. Oh. So they are not real fussy about what they eat, but they don't uh, carry the fish around. They okay. just... They, whatever gets in there, they end up eating it. Uh, Dana Hovland. Uh, thanks, uh, Dana, for listening. I met Dana on a Pelican Breeze cruise, 
And he said, I listened to your talk with Karen recently, and you mentioned chipmunks clucking. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in the woods, and a chipmunk was nonstop clucking because of a cooper's hawk. Uh-huh. I noticed he was keeping a beat with his clucking, so I pulled out my harmonica oh. and commenced to play along. <laughs> we jammed for a good half hour, oh. and he kept the beat the whole time. I hope Finally, he, re- he probably got tired of <laughs> I hope he recorded it. Is what I hope. Playing, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I hope he did. He said he, the chipmunk probably got tired of my playing because he quit clucking, oh. or the hawk left. Oh. So he said, but I suspect the former. So yeah, Dana, you got to get that down on. Uh, yes, and t- you got to. We got to hear that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Donna Swenson of Rural Rotwasika, they have a farm pond, and she says the wood ducks come marching out of that farm pond up into their yard. And why they're marching there is because they have oak trees in their yard, so the wood ducks are after the acorns. And they also have sandhill cranes along the pond, three of them. Uh, Ray Faber, great to hear from Ray. He is a uh, professor of biology emeritus. See if I can get this all right at St. Mary's and the University of Minnesota, and he lives in Houston, Minnesota. And Ray said, uh, thanks for making us think, Al. I once wrote a paper for an ornithology class regarding bird flight. After a study of the mechanics of flight, my conclusion was basically that chimney swifts are among the best, if not the best flyers in the world. Also, many years ago, I got a call in early October telling me that many dead and dying birds were on the ground at St. Stan's Church in Winona. They were all chimney swifts. It turned out that they had just turned on the heat, probably using coal as a heat source. Uh, Yeah. And this is cool because it's uh, regarding the same bird. Uh, Don Grusing of Minnetonka said, nice memories, Al. As a kid in Hopkins, I caught heck from the football coaches in junior high school when at practice after school, I'd get so distracted by the swirling tornado <laughs> swifts going down the chimney of the old senior high school next to the practice uh, practice field. The school in this huge chimney is now long gone. In summer, I'd watch bunches of swifts flying past the dead twigs high in the elm trees, trying to break off twiglets from which to make their nest. And I spent countless summer hours watching Swiss, trying to determine if they sometimes flew with alternating wing beats. I hardly ever see a chimney Swift now. So good and bad story there, Don. Uh, oh, a listener, I, I, I think we might have had this not too long ago, but uh, I found a few dead moles on a trail. Oh. What happened? Uh, moles rarely come to the surface where, well, owls, hawks, weasels, or snakes might get them, so you're going to stay underground. They do come occasionally, but they have a musky odor. So mole, moles aren't, they aren't something that a lot of mammalian predators enjoy, but raccoons, coyotes, foxes, and skunks dig them out. So they can t- hear them moving or see them moving, and they'll dig them out. Uh, moles are killed by domestic dogs and cats, but they're rarely eaten. Uh, maybe it was work of a cat. Although, you know, a fox, if a fox wasn't hungry or didn't like moles, it might have 
piled them up too. Uh, moles eat earthworms, Japanese beetle grubs, cutworms, and more. When I was a kid, they always said you were supposed to put was a juicy fruit gum down in the the tunnels, and that would make them go away. Well, you know, moles are not gum chewers. <laughs> I was just at at a, a store and. I walked past the gum. I'm not much of a gum chewer. I walked right past the gum. There were a lot of people staring at the gum, but there were no moles there at all. So I don't think that, uh, and as kids, we tried that, and I don't, how do you prove it worked or not? I I did too, and I Uh, remember thinking that I didn't see any moles then, but it was probably just because time you know and i just didn't see any but i did the same thing oh i'll chew this gum and i'll put it down and does only juicy That's fruit right. does only juicy fruit work or if they gave them bubble gum would they out there be out there blowing bubbles i mean i don't know yep i think they would all work just as well as the other probably not at all yeah they don't always reuse the tunnel sometimes they're just using it to move or find oh. uh, another food source and then they you know they we could disturb the tunnel enough when we're digging in there and we throw the gum down in there. Yeah. They're going to say, well, something's digging here. It might be a skunk or a, a possum or a raccoon or something. I'm not going to go down that tunnel anymore. So then, boom, we say, boy, that uh, juicy fruit gum, that really <laughs> works. And that's kind of how that goes. We had a uh, whoop-de-doo in a beautiful downtown Heartland, Minnesota, not long ago. A uh, little bit of recovery from the December 15th, 2021 tornado. Uh, the bank reopened, and, oh, they had a whoop-dee-doo, my mom Aww. would call it. And they brought in wonderful baked goods from Mary Jane's Bakery in New Richland, Minnesota. And they make these, they're long johns, only they're cream-filled. Ooh. And the, the cream filling takes all the calories out of it. <laughs> and, oh, they're just a slice of heaven. So I got in there pretty early, but not as early as everybody else because they were all gone. Uh-huh. But the Yellow Jackets were there. And Yellow Jackets love sweet things, particularly this time of year. And one of the people there said, what eats these things? We need something that eats these things. So I said, well, we could get some black bears. They didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> I said, raccoons? And they said, oh, that one. I said, how about skunks? No. Badgers? No. Possums? No. Shrews? And they said, well, how about birds? I said, well, summer tanagers are noted for eating bees and wasps, but we don't really get many of them around here. And they mm. said, something else. Uh, gray catbirds, blue jays, kingbirds, and other uh, birds will feed on the protein-rich food that yellow jackets provide. So there are some birds out there doing that work. Uh, Chad Hines said uh, that he's talking about the hawk watch. Jim had 400-plus broadwing hawks at Bethany. Mm. Brings a total to 5,654 raptors for the season. I saw one as in albertly saw one first i heard it the crows were having a cow i went over it was one broad wing he was just plain as day he was you could tell he was um he was nervous because the crows were just hectoring him and a listener said al you mentioned something about somebody naked as a jaybird where did that come (laughs) from you know it has 
like so many of those things, they have uncertain origin. People come up with 19 different reasons we say some of those old idioms. And I know the expression from the 1800s, because I found it in writing, said uh, they were, it was as naked as a fledgling jaybird, naked as a fledgling robin, or as naked as a fledgling. And at some point, they decided to take the word fledgling out of the idiom. So then they were left with naked as a jaybird or naked as a robin. And um, robin, I think it uh, maybe in the U.K. places, it was more common. It just never really got traction here. So, And then they added more in the 1920s, jaybird was an abbreviation of the word jailbird. Because oh. when new inmates were processed in jails, they, if anybody's seen a prison movie, they, you know, they strip them naked and disinfect them, and then they receive their uniforms. So either, uh, probably both of those have led to, the, uh, to that saying still being fairly common. I, I talked to a guy yesterday. He was in a hotel room, and we've all... Uh, uh, what was he thinking? He went out to put something in the hallway, and he, he didn't have a stitch on, and oh, the no. door shut. And, <laughs> yeah. So what was he, he thinking? He was as naked as a, <laughs> naked as a jaybird. He, um, one of the neighbor people came out and gave him a robe or something, and they went went down and got a key for him. I don't know how they were able to get a key for him. Oh, jeez. Um, if that had been me, you know, nobody would have come to the door and I wouldn't have been able to get the key because I wouldn't have any proof of who I was. So I just, <laughs> I would have had to roam the halls for the the whole, my whole stay there. Al, I hope you would have more uh, sense than to, to do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I used to kind of giggle at people or smirk a little, you know, that... Because uh, people would get their key, and they'd have to go down and get another key, like within an hour. <laughs> well, I had to, my wife and I were staying somewhere, and we had, so we had two big bags. And I'm struggling to get them in the door. I don't know where my bride was, but I throw one in there, and I go and get the other one, and then I'm going down to find her, and then I discovered that I'd put our key on top of one of the bags. Uh-oh. So I was, about five minutes later, I'm down at the front desk saying, remember me? <laughs> Everything okay? I said, yeah, I, just, I need the key. You need what? Because they make you say it really loud so everybody can <laughs> look at you. You have some Blue Jays visiting. I do. Well, yesterday we were out, and I heard this really loud sound, and I was like, what is that? And I couldn't, I couldn't remember. It, it sounded kind of like a pump squeaking. Is that the Blue Jay? Yeah, it's called a Queedle call. Yes, the Queedle call, and it was really loud, and it was big. It just kept getting louder, and I said, "What in the world?" Because we had the windows open, because it's nice out, and so all of a sudden, I heard a call, call, and then the the Blue Jays stopped. So I don't know if they were in the territory, so it was just announcing that, "Hey, get out of here!" And the other one came, and then it left, perhaps. Either that, or was a crow telling them to knock off the racket. Oh, <laughs> I have to come down there. Yeah, we get uh, Blue Jays, if you go up to Hawk Ridge uh, by Duluth, you will see a lot of migrating Blue Jays coming down. So they come down. So when we get the ones in the wintertime, we all, if we feed birds, we get Blue Jays in the wintertime. 
They love peanuts. The ones we have might be the ones that we have all the time. So in other words, they might be our Blue Jays, our local guys. Or they could be from somewhere in Canada, just on their way down. So this looks like a nice place. They have peanuts. Let's stay here. Well, where do they and go it's normally? In all the guidebooks. Do they have a final destination like the butterflies do, for example? Or do they just go, wherever looks good, I'll stop? Yeah, pretty much. So they don't have a normal in mass oh. migration like a lot of those birds do. So they would um, they would fly just till they find a nice place, and of course, so many things with birds is driven by food. Mm-hmm. So they go to the place where there's food. Uh, scientists have studied blue jays. They found that a blue jay will migrate one year and not the next. Uh, some say the young blue jays are more likely to migrate than older blue jays, and some other studies saying the young blue jays are more likely to stay than older ones. So. There's no apparent region, reason or no precise destination for theirs. And when I say that, who knows? Those that come down from Canada and stay in your yard every winter, maybe that's their destination. They're going to your yard every year. Uh, they remember things. They have great spatial memories, so they know where they're going, and they know when they get there that this is the place I've been and what they have for offerings there. So... It's um, very possible that we get the same ones, no. but is it necessarily so? Do no. they not usually tag blue jays while they don't know that? I mean, some birds, it seems like they tag all the time so you can track them, but blue jays, they don't track them normally? They they certainly do ban blue jays, too. So uh, it's the thing is, if they banned a blue jay, say they banned them at one of the uh, nature centers in uh, the Twin Cities. So then it goes down, it uh, does whatever it does for the rest of the year. And nobody captures that bird. Maybe two years later, they banned it again in the Twin Cities at uh, either the same nature center or neighboring. So they know that this bird is at least this old, and they know they banned it before. The problem is, where was it? And, oh. you know, radio telemetry is very expensive and not always long-lasting. So hmm. uh, a lot of the records we have are due to the diligence of bird banders. But it doesn't, it, it just gives us, you know, it's like looking at a tombstone. You see when the guy was born, when he died, and maybe <laughs> it's got a picture of a horse on there. So yeah. you know he liked horses or <laughs> a tractor, maybe he's a farmer, but you don't know all the stuff in between. You don't get the the meat of the story. You just get the numbers. And so that's what happens with a lot of banded birds. But um, we do get a lot of stories because a friend of mine banded an ancient chickadee, seven or eight years old, and that was pretty cool in Austin, dicks maybe. So we do learn stuff. And with bigger birds, you know, they put a lot of radios on them. So you can tell where a lot of the eagles are and where they're traveling because it keeps sending signals for a long time. So we will probably get to the point someday where they'll just be able to put a little sticker on them and there'll be enough in there. Uh, Well, maybe it'll be a few years, but who would have thought we'd have the things we have today? When I was a kid, you know, I'd read Dick Tracy, and he had the wristwatch, and he'd call in there to his partner, Sam Ketchum, 
<laughs> and I thought, boy, someday I want a radio telephone. That would be so cool. And uh, who who knew that we'd get like that? And then hardly anybody uses telephones for those purposes <laughs> right. anymore. So, so it's a it's a strange world, but it's a it's a beautiful day today. I'm. I hope you got enough rain that it dragged you out of that. You know, look in the newspaper, and that's a dark red, kind of blood red color for the severe drought. Yes. But it it comes out almost black in newsprint. And I, I just hope everybody climbs out of that. Man, that just looks terrible. Somebody asked me, do pelicans mate for life? Uh, you know, the mate for life thing is always a tough thing with birds. American white pelicans are monogamous, and they likely pair each year on the breeding grounds. So if they both make it back to the breeding grounds, you know, it, there's a it's probably a pretty good chance because a lot of, references say they do mate for life but i don't know they breed when they're three years old and the bonds last through the breeding season but whether pairs continue in subsequent years i would say is is uncertain and and i want them to mate for life and again some of them probably do but i can't say they all do and it's a noble goal i'm sure that's what they're all shooting for but sometimes it just doesn't work out do uh, they are? Do any pelicans hang around over the winter? Because you know, a lot of times in the summer, I'll see a whole bunch hanging out on Lake Washington on the point, and I don't know that I see any in the winter, or maybe I just don't look in the right place, or maybe it's white and I don't see them on the ice. We had uh, I do the Christmas bird counts, and one of them I do is here in Albert Lee, and I did uh, the Christmas bird count last year, and I had four pelicans on it, oh. two pairs, okay, two pairs of pelicans. The one pair looked awfully healthy. The other one of the pairs seemed to be have some physical difficulties. Hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of them here. Some of them that I've seen in the winter, they've sheared part of their wing off flying in a utility wire. Aww. But I see them and why they hang here. You know, they're almost, there's open water. So if you have aeration or something, mm-hmm. then they can catch fish. Ah. But, you know, otherwise they're going to be out of here. I see them into November usually, and then I see the last of them. But they are, um, they're tough. They could certainly take the cold, but when everything ices over, it makes it really tough. The four that were here, I, I have no idea. And it goes back to pelicans mate for life. Why were these two hanging around in pairs? It was no longer the breeding season. Why are you sticking around? If you're not going to mate with that, other pelican for life you just say well tough luck with the wing i'm out of here these were two pairs you know and i can't tell if they're male or female but they were two pairs that hung around together swam together so i'm i'm hoping it was a a match made in heaven as we say that's what i hope that was but uh, i um i'm seeing a little kestrel out here a beautiful little falcon they uh their peak migration is late August, early October, so we do get some of them hanging around. And uh, the kestrel is derived from an old French word meaning crescel, meaning rattle, hmm. which refers to the sound of its cry. And it's uh, it's like my favorite raptor. I just uh, I love kestrels. I, I think they're just the most beautiful ones. And the male 
is called a Tercel, and there was a Toyota Tercel. Oh, yeah. That would have been named after a male falcon, and Tercel means a third. And the male falcons are, are around a third smaller than the females, probably not a third. But in the raptor, there's no doubt who runs the families there. It's the, the females are much larger, uh, can take uh, bigger prey, and they're just in charge. Uh, what does the male do? Guys, you know, pay the bills <laughs> and that sort of thing. That's pretty much all he does. So and they're, um, they're just beautiful, beautiful birds. So I love seeing them. I did see I, um, some uh, hummingbirds this weekend. I was out working in the gardens by the, the lake house, and they were out uh, moving around amongst the flowers, so they're still around. So I decided, well, you guys are still here, so I refilled the the hummingbird oh, feeder thing, uh, nectar feeder, and I thought, well, if they want some more, they can come here. Otherwise, there's plenty of flowers. So I guess they'll hang around till it gets too cold, or maybe they're going to head out now. Yeah. You're to be commended. Uh, a friend just stopped. I'm in my mobile office here. A friend just stopped and said, I still have hummingbirds. I told him, I said, well, keep your feeder up to October 1st. That way okay. you're going to catch the latecomers and, stra- and stragglers. Good to and know. if I see one after that, then I rush out and put mine up again. Oh, so yeah. I, uh, I don't. But I, I keep mine up always till October 1st. And I'm usually rewarded, and and I think in some small way maybe I'm I'm helping a little bird. Karen, thank you so much. Thanks everybody for sitting on the front porch with us. Um, my wife brought in a few bulbs of garlic. Oh, good. They're cool looking things. Those bulbs of garlic, and um, the cat found them. We have a mischievous cat, a frisky cat. And she found them and immediately carried one away. It's like they have handles on them. (laughs) And the cat lives in a world filled with toys, food, staff, of which I am one, (laughs) windows, poop gravel, and napping areas. That's her whole life. Got it. And she immediately deemed garlic was a toy. But uh-huh. she bit into it, and it was a toy no more. She became offended. She oh, just, no. Her eyes blinked, and she looked at it like, why did you do that to me? I wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> Curiosity did not kill the cat, but the good news is vampires haven't bothered her at all since then. <laughs> That's good. And it reminded me of a woman and her emotional support animal seated in front of me on a flight. And the poor cat meowed in tear oh. so much during the flight that I needed emotional support. <laughs> oh, no. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, Karen, as always, I enjoy your company. So thanks again, everyone. It's great to hear from you, too, Al. Thanks so much. And uh, watch the falling leaves. They are on their way down. And they're beautiful. They're Aren't incredible. they? We were over the Minnesota River Valley. They were outstanding. Yes, so I'm going to keep my eyes open and watch them and enjoy before we get the winter. Thanks, Al. Yep. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.